Valentine's Day, guys, huh? Yeah, I hope you had a great Valentine's weekend. Laurie and I went to On the Border and <laughs> exchanged gifts and, and cards. Uh, there's nothing like having a real Valentine. Someone who loves you and someone that loves you back. And we need just to celebrate our marriages as we just saw. <laughs> we need to make them a top uh, priority. Let's do a little poll here. How many of you are on Facebook? Raise your hand and keep them raised. All right. Interesting. Okay. Now, put your hand down. How many are not on Facebook? Raise your hand. Interesting. John! John, you're so friendly. What's the deal with you, man? Why aren't you on Facebook? Oh, he wants real friends. That's a great comeback. That is a great comeback. And John is one of the friendliest guys you could meet. He's off the charts. Be sure to say hello to him and make a friend afterwards because he doesn't have virtual friends like the rest of us. So <laughs> when you think about Facebook, it's an incredible social phenomenon. I mean, what was life like before Facebook? Uh, could someone get my clicker? <laughs> I think it's on my uh, desk. But go ahead. With... Okay. This is a Pew Research poll uh, on Facebook. 57% of American adults are on Facebook. 73% of those ages 12 through 17 are on Facebook. That's understandable. 64% of adults visit daily. That's up from 51% in 2010. It really is amazing in regards to how it's changed the way people approach relationships. And it's redefining the word friendship. I'm really concerned about the younger generations because they, of course, are very computer savvy and social networking is everything for them and texting back and forth. And I'm concerned that uh, they're not developing the social skills they need for life. Oh, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, man. They're not uh, uh, creating those social skills that are so important for relationships. And so we need to continue to teach them and remind ourselves of how important a real friendship is like. Now, see, I might not, some of you might not know this, but I was on the cutting edge of social media. Anybody remember what a bulletin board was on the Internet? A bulletin board? Yeah. Back in 19... Oh, let's see here. That must have been 1992. I was a church planter, and I was trying to encourage other church planters, so I put up a church planting bulletin board. And people would come and you know chat with each other, and they would download files, and things of that nature. And I can remember the one day when I spent $400 
on a Supra modem 2400. <laughs> I mean, it was just a lot of money back then. Yeah, it's just like, wow. As I reflect upon how much things have changed over the years and how the Internet has uh, come and social media. And, of course, there's all kinds of benefits to it, right? Yeah, all kinds of benefits. Uh, you've got catching up with your real friends, you know, finding out what they're doing, finding out about uh, old friends and what they're doing. And it's also a, a tremendous platform for the gospel. But we need to think about how we approach it and how we use it in the healthiest way. Did you know that 1.6 billion people are on Facebook? 7.4 billion people in the world and 22% are on Facebook. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, I came across a speech from Katie Couric to a graduating class. And I think it's very interesting. She says, I used to tell graduates that no one on their deathbed ever said, gee, I wish I had spent more time at the office. The 2015 version of that should be, no one on their deathbed ever said, gee, I wish I had spent more time on my iPhone. We spend so much time these days looking for external validation with our carefully crafted Instagrams, clever posting, perfect pictures, counting our likes, favorites, followers, and friends. Does that sound familiar at all? Really, I mean, you think about Facebook, people really go to seek validation there. That they're important, that they belong uh, to this community, and, and they're counting the number of likes. Uh, it's really interesting how, again, they're basing their self-esteem on social media. It's easy to avoid the big questions when you're so involved. Who am I? Am I doing the right thing? Am I the kind of person I want to be? The kind of honest self-examination that truly fuels personal growth. Yeah, I, I think of uh, parents today, right? Yeah, two and three-year-old, you get them an iPad, and that's okay. But the question is, how much exposure are they getting to that iPad? Because it's a virtual world. You see, in order to, to grow into a healthy adult and be emotionally whole, you need to work through things in your life. You need solitude, time to be alone, to talk to yourself. And one of my concerns is, is that if we're getting kids hooked up at two and three, then of course, throughout their growing up years, uh, they're not going to take the time to ask those questions. I mean, think back before, you know, at radio, TV, what did people do? Well, they thought a lot, didn't they? They had great friendships, and that's what we're missing today. So again, it's just like the idea that you continually keep yourself distracted so you don't have to think about the real issues in life. 
And the most wonderful thing about being a Christ follower is that I can go to God and you can go to God and share the issues you're struggling with and process through them. And then hopefully you'll be able to process through those with friends. But again, my fear is that with social media, people are going to do more image management than they've ever done in the past and not have really, truly friendships. So we're in the second week of a series entitled Struggles. Struggles. Hashtag struggles. Talking about social media and how we become healthy followers of Jesus Christ in the advent of this technology. Last week we talked about contentment. Remember Paul? We looked at Paul's life and he said, I have learned to be content. And then we talked about Paul's life, right? All the challenges that he went through. Almost being beaten to death. Stone, the list goes on. And what we put together was, is that he went through so many difficult times in his life. It taught him to be content in every circumstance. Have you been thinking about that this past week? You know, applying that principle and when difficult things happen, you say, okay, I can be content in this. I know it's impacted my life. I am content with my circumstances. Now, again, I'm not really content yet, <laughs> right? It's a growth process. But you have to continue to respond that way to be content. Today we're going to talk about relationships, of course, and the importance of growing healthy relationships. Romans 1.12 says, That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That's what the body of Christ is all about. It's about mutually encouraging one another. This is the first reason uh, for healthy relationships. Christ-centered relationship is spiritual growth. My friends, if you are not involved in Christ-centered relationships there is no way that you are going to experience what God wants you to experience and to grow in the way that God wants you to grow. Because the way that God put us together is that we need relationships. He designed us that way. He designed us to have a relationship with Him. And Adam and Eve and we're hardwired for relationships. Now, certainly it's one of the most difficult things sometimes in our life because of the nature of being in relationship with others. But also it brings the greatest and deepest satisfaction. We need to be cultivating these relationships. The second thing is emotional support. Friendships bring emotional support. There's a couple types of people that you might have as friends. You might have a VD, VDP person or a VIP person. A VDP person is a very 
draining person. Okay? And those people in your life, they just are continually asking you to care for them and need for them. And again, we want to do that. But we need to put boundaries around that, right? And let them know that they just can't take advantage of us. What we don't have enough of sometimes is VIPs, which is very inspiring people. You want a lot more VIPs in your life than VDPs, even though you have a responsibility to both. You have, you have that in your life, very uh, influential people, very inspiring people that are lifting you up, that are encouraging you, that are always asking you to view a situation in a different way, who's always bringing Christ into the relationship. Who is that in your life? Because they need that. God designed you for that, and He wants that to be your reality. So where do you look for friends? Well, you look for friends at church. That's, the church is the best place to look for friends. Now, it's the only place, but certainly it's better than a bar or some community event, right? Because when we come together as a church, we have similar values. Uh, you know, we're Christ followers, those who've made that decision, and people uh, with wonderful character. And I tell you, the, the greatest thing about being a pastor is the fact that I can have so many wonderful relationships and so many friendships. I mean, I just scan the crowd here, and I see people that I've known for a long time and have been a real encouragement uh, to me. I think of John. John, stand up for a second, okay? All right, if you're looking for a great friend, <laughs> just come up to him after him. Is, this, is it okay? That's perfectly after the service, yeah, and say, you know, I'd like to be a, your friend. And he will not say no, I'll tell you that right now. Okay? And you just keep coming to him every Sunday. All right? And Carnegie. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you stand up, Carnegie? <laughs> These guys are hospitable. They're loving. They're kind. These are VIPs. Okay? And I could say that about a lot of other people in this room. But you just happen to be sitting closest to me. And you're not on Facebook. Again, why are you not on Facebook? I mean, this, this guy is Mr. Technology. He travels all over the world. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a jet setter. He's always in some other... Oh, I went to India yesterday. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So you being so into technology, why haven't you done it? Because I get paid for it. And uh, if I spend, uh, spend time on Facebook at home, I don't get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> That's a healthy view. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. I, tell you, I could go around here and tell you about the people in this room. We have a wonderful family. We have people who are wonderful friends. And I'm the, I'm the most blessed one of all of you. Because I can get to know all of you to a certain degree. And it just brings such pleasure to my life. I really don't know what it's like to be lonely. I mean, sometimes I'm lonely. But I've always been surrounded by people. And if you struggle with loneliness, 
you've got to reach out to other people and engage with them. I know that's challenging sometimes, but again, it's a way you make friends. Now, when you think about the Bible and the one another passages, greet one another, love one another, serve one another, those all have to happen in relationship. There's so many people who checked out a church and they're just doing it on their own. And what they realize is they're living about 50% of the Christian life because the other 50% is friendships and being together with other people and loving them. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear each other's burdens. It happens so beautifully here in our ministry, because of our small group ministry and ministry involvement. But again, this past week, we saw God's hand in a very painful event. On Friday morning, Pastor Rich, who again is a chaplain, uh, he was going to a seminar on how to deal with an active shooter, which is very helpful, obviously, for our church. And he was, they canceled it because there was an accident on 47. Uh, someone had hit a pole, and it was a fatality. So he was out there praying for the family, the family of this person who had lost their life. And then he found out that Bill and Chrissy Ortman, are they here today? Oh, they're there. Oh, God bless you guys. God bless you. Um, they have been taking care of their, uh, or Chrissy's cousin for quite a while. I mean, they have done everything. They are just such giving people, loving people. And it turned out that it was their cousin Dave who had been living with them that was killed in that accident. And Pastor Rich was praying for Bill and Chrissy, and they didn't even realize it. Let's pray for you guys. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Bill and Chris. I've been friends with them for so long, and uh, Chris has just modeled for me how to deal with pain. She suffered many medical problems, and man, she just keeps going. And I say, wow. <laughs> She's discipling me, and I just want to thank you for Bill and his gentle spirit and his faithfulness that have inspired me as well. And I pray for them now at the loss of Dave. They did everything that they could to encourage Dave and bring him along with he was struggling with depression. And I pray you'd comfort them today. I pray that uh, they would feel a peace that passes understanding in regards to this situation. Lord, thank you for who they are. Thank you for how they invested in Dave's life. And we love them in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah, please be praying for Chris and Bill and the family as they prepare uh, for the funeral. 
And that's, again, who we are as a disciple-making family. You know? That's one of the advantages of being kind of like a mid-sized church. You know the pastor, right? And you can know everybody else. And there's a sense of community that you feel. And it's really been a blessing to my life, my kids' life, my wife's life. And I want to thank you. Well, the third reason that you want to build relationships is for better health. For better health. I said this before, but study after study after study after study has proved that the one thing that you need to live a long, healthy, fulfilling life is what? Relationships, yeah. Relationships. And we live in a culture that doesn't uh, value relationships like other cultures do. We're all into achievement and we're all into getting things done and making a life for ourselves. Where in other cultures, it's all about relationships. They're poor, they don't have much, but relationships are everything to them. And that's what we need to learn. A person comes up and says, well, I... I don't have time for relationships. I'm working and I'm, you know, taking care of the kids and I'm whatever the reason might be. If you're too busy to have relationships, then you're just too busy. Relationships are the lifeline in life, especially when they're Christ-centered relationships. Think about that for a moment. You know, what friends do you have? What Christ follower friends do you have? Who do you have in your life that's inspiring you, that's teaching you, that's encouraging you? And if you can't think quickly of them, well, this is a great day because I want to encourage you in developing those friendships. Let's look at James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins... To one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as is working. I've always thought about this verse. And therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Aren't we supposed to confess our sins to God? Well, yeah, we are. That's the first step, right? To be restored with Him. Now, our sins are already forgiven. But we're claiming that forgiveness in order to get back into good relationship with Him. But then it says, confess your sins to one another. Why don't we do that? We, we want to be a church that is applying this. Everybody stand up and find someone and just share a sin. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you see, what happens here is, yes, you are forgiven by God. But because He's created us relationally, when you share from your life, you share from your burdens and your weaknesses with someone that you trust. That has a healing effect upon your soul. You need to do it with God, and that's part of it. But many times people miss the second part 
and I'm really struggling. I, I need help. I, I just am not, uh, you know, following God in this area of my life. And what's the next thing? Pray for one another. Right? And go back to prayer. The importance of it. So you confess your sins to your close friend, and then you pray for them that you may be what? Healed. So, so many of us have gone through tough times in our life, and we've never really shared with another person about those times. And again, you don't have to lay it all out there, but just as God leads you and encourages you, process it with someone else. Pray together. And that will bring a healing to your soul uh, that maybe you've never experienced before. All comes out of Christ-centered relationships. I think part of that is that uh, there's something therapeutic about unloading your pain, right? Unloading your struggles so that somebody else can bear them with you. And walk with you. Another fourth great thing about relationships is social enjoyment. Social enjoyment. You know, life is meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. Right? And how do we enjoy life? We enjoy life with strong relationships. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Isn't that true? You're going through a dark time in your life. You just really need one other person. Your spouse, hopefully. Uh, Another good friend. Just to help you. Just to bear that burden. And uh, that's what it's all about. There's there's a flip side of that, of course. And that's enjoying life. I can remember back in high school, uh, my good friend Bill Lorenz. In fact, I just uh, caught up with him. Uh, We had an internet chat, and it was great. His wife has cancer. He's living in Japan, and uh, we we did everything together. I remember one time when I was in Madrigals, right? And we know Madrigals and choir and that type of thing. And uh, he'd dress up. (laughs) He's English robes, and that's fun. And uh, (laughs) one of the songs we did was The Boar's Head, all right? The Boar's Head. So it was my responsibility to get the boar's head, to get a pig's head. And I did it. I got the boar's head, and I brought it, and we sang about it. And I said, this boar's head should not be wasted. So Bill Lorenz and I went out to uh, a uh, local restaurant where this girl from our youth group uh, was working. We kind of liked it. <laughs> so... Uh, it was winter, and so what we did is we put the boar's head, you know, as you walk in to your car, the door, and we put it right on the hood, right there, okay? 
And then we run up the hill and hide and wait to see what happens. And I tell you, she freaks out, man. I mean, like, what is going on here? And she runs back in. And we're just laughing up there. Oh, man, that's great. And so we say, well, let's push it off now if they come back. So we went down and we pushed off the boar's head. And uh, the manager came out. And there was no boar's head. <laughs> and then there was a long period of nothing happening. And we felt, we were still, had some knowledge and wisdom. They're probably calling the police. <laughs> so we went down there and said, hey, just a joke, just a joke. <laughs> Friends, that is the spice of life, isn't it? That is the spice of life, having fun with your friends, laughing with your friends, being silly with your friends. Going places with your friends. I just want to remind you today, if you have lost that focus, you need to again ask God to give you some friends or deepen relationships with other friends because it really is one of the most beautiful things about life when we can have fun with our friends. So, how do you find friends? Well, the church, again, as I said, is the best place to find friends. So you can get involved in one of our ministries. How many of you have found a good friend because you were serving with them here at church? Raise your hands high. Right there. Right? The proof's in the pudding. Right? You say, well, I would like that. Well, you can have it. You really can have it. All you have to do is you have to say, I'd like to get involved in ministry. Now we have our first serve survey that you can pick up at the ministry desk, and you can just fill out what you'd like to be involved in. Try just one time, and if you don't like it, you can try something else. But beautiful relationships happen when you're serving alongside someone. Of course, the other key area is small groups. We are a church. Or we're, we're a church of small groups. It's so critical to us. And it's sad to see that many churches are not emphasizing small groups. Because I really believe that's where life change happens. When you're sitting around in a circle and you're studying God's Word and you're being discipled by other people there. And How many of you have discovered uh, great friendships in a small group? Raise your hand. Keep them up high. All right, guys. There's the evidence, okay? So anybody who's, you know, unsure and maybe has questions, all those people found friendships in small groups because you meet week to week to week and you're, you're cultivating all the beautiful things about a relationship, getting to know people. And many times you might find one couple or a person in the group uh, that you come even deeper, uh, have deeper relationship with. And, and then, of course, when, when you're going along and a crisis comes into your life, your small group is going to be there for you. I've just seen it time and time again that crises happen and the small groups are on it. They're covering meals. They're praying for each other. Friends, you need that type of support system 
No question is at 3.30 in the morning if your car breaks down, who are you going to call? Think about that. Who would you call if your car broke down at 3.30 in the morning? That is your real friend. Okay? That's a person that's willing to get out of bed and help you out. And friends, crises are always part of our lives. And we just have to accept that and grow through it. But don't go through it alone. Don't go through an emotional burden. Don't, don't carry that alone. Don't go through medical problems alone. We need each other so much. In building relationships, you have to follow the golden rule as seen in Matthew 7:12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The Bible, the law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, well, the golden rule. Treat other people the way that you would like to be treated. Be the type of friend to other people that you would like people to be to you. The golden rule. Loving other people. Some people say, well, I don't have any friends. and Nobody likes me. <laughs> Whatever. And, you know, you process with them and you realize that they really haven't stepped out and sought out a friendship. There's a lot of reasons why we're fearful of establishing friendships. But in the process of disciple-making, what we're looking at is how can you get past those barriers? How can you take that first step? How many have read Dale Carnegie and How to Influence Friends and Influence People? Yeah, Johnny, I know you, you read it. You probably have it memorized, buddy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I would encourage you to pick it up. I would encourage you to have your kids read it. Because it's a sales book. So it sounds kind of manipulative, but really the core things are there in how to really create friendships. Get closer to people. Show them that you care and, and they will respond to you. Now, if you're going to have a strong friendship, you have to invest the time. There's a price to deep, meaningful relationships. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many uh, companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you have a friend like that that sticks closer than a brother? You've got to stop waiting for friends to come to you. And you've got to go out and find friends. You've got to take the initiative. And really, one of the bottom lines is just show up. Just Show up. Just be there. And there's more chances of you having a relationship. And God 
you know, putting that together. Show up every Sunday morning and talk with people. Show up to small groups. Show up to ministry. And I know so many people get discouraged. And so they don't show up. So I'm exhorting you to pray and show up. Stop waiting for people Stop waiting for people to come to you to seek out your friendship. A lot of us are saying, well, you know, I've gone to this church for a long time. And I don't have many friends. And my question is, what friends have you seeked out? I was talking with somebody who left their church. Uh, and, uh, you know, typically it's a friendship issue because people are looking or friends. And, and I talked to this particular couple, and I, I really exhorted them. I said, listen, guys, this is before they left, you've got to get involved in relationships here. You've just got to get involved. And again, you know, some people don't take that counsel. And if you don't have friends in a church, you're not likely to stay. So that's why it's so critical that we do this for the health of Springbrook. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Also to the interests of others. That verse is the key to friendship. Throughout my life, I've been amazed at uh, people. You sit down with them for a dinner. You go out with them somewhere. You have an interaction. And the interest they show in you, at least in my case, maybe there's something about me, uh, is little. I'm just talking about the average person I would meet, that type of thing. Because they don't know how to create friendships. And we assume they don't want to create a friendship with us. But we've got to be the example, right? We've got to step in and start talking to people. Start asking people questions. That's been my concern is people do not know how to show interest in other people. i got some, I got some bad news for you. People really don't care about you. They're not thinking about you as you go to a party or some other type of event. They're not so concerned with what you're wearing and uh, your hairstyle and, you know, whatever you're thinking they're thinking of because they're not thinking of you. Who are they thinking of? They're thinking of themselves. We're all thinking about ourselves. And we get this real, you know, syndrome going in our heads like, oh, everybody's thinking about me. No, no, nobody's thinking about you. You're thinking about you, but nobody else is. And I say that so blatantly because it's so true. But here we're in social situations. Oh, everybody thinks this or that. You know, what am I going to do? You know, forget it. They're not thinking about you. So what do you want to do? You want to think about them. You want to go up to them and just ask questions. Questions. Questions open a person's soul. I mean, there's all kinds of questions. Uh, to ask. I've been accused of asking too many questions. <laughs> I'm just so curious. Uh, the point being is that, you know, just like, how was your week? What are you doing today? Any of those questions open up them talking 
And then they might talk about something else, and you can talk about that. But I tell you what, friends, if you, in the next two months, just made a pact with somebody, okay, that every person I meet, I'm going to ask a personal question, if appropriate. Okay? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's important, if appropriate. But I'm not concerned because most people are too concerned about that. <laughs> but the point is, you just need to show interest in a person's life, and then they're going to come alive. Because why? They're thinking about themselves, and you're thinking about them. It's a party. Right? It, it's really simple. But again, you need to pray for energy and pray for confidence as you approach others. And, you know, you'll find out what God wants for you. But let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, I want to thank you for friendship. You created us for friendship. And Lord, I want to thank you how you bless me with so many good friends. Uh, I just am so thankful that I'm one of the pastors in this ministry. And that uh, it's just so satisfying. So satisfying. The people that I know here in our family. And I pray especially for the person out there who says, well, Dan, I'm too shy. I'm not that type of person. I pray that they would find someone else to talk to, to talk through that barrier. And even if you're really shy, there are simple things you can do to build Christ-centered relationships. Lord, I pray that we would teach this to our kids, we would teach this to our, our friends, Post it on Facebook. (laughs) Lord, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Would you guys stand?